Hi, this is Jeff Stone of Grandpa's Prize Barbecue from the Panhandle of Florida, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. This show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening July Fire Fun and Frivolity Show. If you want to jump in with the show or keep in contact, here's how you do all of that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ Central Show. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter. By the way, you can sign up for the newsletter if you go to the main page of the website. And at the top of the navigation, there's a little menu item that says newsletter. Pop into that and then just leave me an email address. I don't need anything other than that. And then every Tuesday afternoon around 3 p.m. Eastern, you will be gifted a newsletter that will give you the heads up and talking points with my guests Later in that evening, and here we are coming up first out of the gate. It is the second Tuesday of a month. We missed him last month, but he is back and better than ever here. The creator of AmazingRibs.com and in the green room already. There he is, Meathead, so he's ready to rock and roll. Stay tuned for him in just a few moments. We're going to be talking about something that has been out. It's been on rarely is something on my radar first ahead of a lot of these other experts, but I can tell you with 100% assurity that Koji has been on my radar well in advance of anybody else long before anybody started talking about it. Why is that? Because it just so happens that Cleveland is the home of the Koji Master, who has been on the show before, who's also a master mushroom forager, Jeremy Umansky, who wrote Koji Alchemy. I don't claim it to be a best-selling book, but as it relates to Koji, it is the reference material. He uh, had a co-writer with that, and I'm not going to remember the name of that man, which I apologize for, but I know Jeremy personally. I dine in his establishment regularly i eat his wife's baked confections not as regularly anymore since we're on the do wellness program however koji 
will be a topic of discussion here this evening. So if you are not headlong into it as I am, then you will get an introduction from Meathead. And then possibly, if there is further interest, I find time for Jeremy Umansky to rejoin the show. Or perhaps we put him in a panel discussion with Meathead uh, down the road and even talk further Koji alchemyism. But tonight will be your introduction if it hasn't already crossed your radar. Long way to go for me to say Meathead shortly. Then, after Meathead, and we missed him last month as well, the contributing barbecue editor to Southern Living Magazine and the guy that hosts RobertFMoss.com's website and what I'll call now the former author of the Q Sheet, Robert Moss. He didn't say it's gone away, but I know what my inbox looked like. And it is as ghost as it comes when the Q sheet is supposed to show up on my inbox like Saturday evenings. I remember reading. How often would you ever hear me see this? I remember reading. Like, I would never say that on purpose. But I remember reading the Q sheet and keeping up with what's happening in Robert's little corner of the world and the thing that he's covering, all this fun stuff. So... Robert Moss will be back at it, 35 past the first hour. That will neatly wrap the first hour, and then we will move to the second hour, where we will find, in an unprecedented move, coming out of the fourth Tuesday, not out of the bullpen, we're saving that for a show friend as well, but coming right out of the gate in the second hour, the Michigan Embedded Correspondent and the Executive Producer of the Best Moments of Barbecue Central Show in 10 Minutes or Less, John Tolbert. Why do we have John on? Well, last year, Doug Scheiding was on the longest-running embedded correspondent from Texas, or as Sam the Cooking Guy, and I renamed both Doug and Rusty last week, the Dumpspondents. If you missed it, go back and check out the podcast from last week and hear why we call Rusty and Doug the embedded Dumpspondents. Nevertheless, Doug is the longest-running embedded correspondent and we did a whole segment with Doug about how he has grown and cultivated and uh, acquired isn't the right curated quite a successful Instagram account and we talked about the pitfalls and what he has to do to do it in order to keep it as organic as possible stay away from the bots make sure nobody's questioning your integrity as a social media person because that mattered to him. Some of you other schmucks, it doesn't matter. There's no integrity. It's all about the numbers. Grow it, Will. Grow at any cost necessary. Doesn't matter. But to Doug, it matters. And he laid out the whole thing last year. So go back and get that if you missed it. John will be talking to us about how he happened upon within, I think it's Instagram. Uh, maybe it's Facebook, but I believe it's Instagram. This thing called Reels, it's blowing up like crazy. Instagram, uh, Facebook owns Instagram now that I'm thinking about it. I might be wrong in that, but I believe I'm correct on that. Reels is something that's blowing up right now. Even the most savvy social media person is saying, if you are not taking full advantage of growing your Reels side of social media, you're missing out. John is fully invested in Reels. Not only that, John has figured out some way to get paid by Reels. What do we love here most of all? What do we talk? What did we nickname the show last year? The Barbecue Central Business Show. That's right, because we are capitalists. We want to make money, not at any and all costs, but at the right costs. 
And John has figured out a way to do money on Instagram. He's going to talk all about it. And closing the show tonight, a second season of what I call the Podumentary. You might know him as a longtime Centralite making his debut towards the tail end of the show last year doing his brisket slathered in mayo binder, which is the food trend I and I alone started in 2022. Joe Martinez joins us. Joe Martinez has started a food truck out there in Texas, and we are going to start our first of four, of course, quarterly segments with him where we will dive really deep and uncover all of the dead bodies and all the pitfalls and all of the monies and investments. If you have always thought my burning passion is to leave this daggum nine to fiver and follow my passion as a barbecue trailer owner, well, boy, strap in because... Joe Martinez is going to give you four hugely in-depth segments as we get through 2023 that may inspire you to take it up or may slap you around with the reality of the situation and perhaps preventing something that would bankrupt you, lead you to the court of divorce or both, who knows. And tonight, we are not getting into any business that involves the selling of barbecue. He's operating currently, but we're going to do it all the way from concept to the run-up to opening of day one. Just like we did with Rusty Monson last year, we're going to do it with Joe Martinez this year. And I think you will be happily surprised with the amount of information that Joe has told me he's going to share. And I said, Joe, look, this only works when... You give out all of the information. I am absolutely going to be asking you the most minute and inquisitive questions on how you get started doing this and what the money situation likes because that's what most people either are or not or are not taking into proper consideration. What's it going to cost you up front? Is it going to cost you something up front? Joe Martinez here to answer all those questions as we close the show out here this evening. Didn't even get to the open. How about that? Too busy promoting the rest of the show because this show is on fire already. As I had mentioned, Meathead is ready to go. And Robert Moss after him, John Solberg in the second hour, and closing it out, Joe Martinez. Since 1991, the National Barbecue and Grilling Association has been the voice of the barbecue and grilling industry by helping members network and learn from proven professionals. New owner and leader Cal Phelps looks to take the history of this organization and move it to new heights in 2023 and beyond. And they start that with their NBBQA annual conference, which is currently open for registration. You can go to nbbqa.org. And it's all right there on the main page to further check out. Now, if you're somebody in the business of barbecue and grilling and you are looking to stay on top of trends, market your business better, learn from the folks who have done it right and continue to evolve in a market that is itself ever-changing, this is the conference you want to attend. It starts Wednesday, February 15th. It goes through Saturday, February 18th. And it will be held at the beautiful Wyndham Orlando Resort and Conference Center in the celebration area of Orlando. 
Make your reservations now and then take advantage of being around the most successful people in the industry during those four days. Walk right up to such legends as Mo Kaysan or Dr. Barbecue, Mark Lambert, Tuffy Stone. The list goes on and then ask them questions that you want to have answered. You might be surprised at how approachable they are and how open they are to help you succeed in the industry because, hey, it's our industry too. We want everybody to succeed and stay in it for as long as possible and be successful as possible. Once again, it's February 15th through the 18th in Orlando. Go to nbbqa.org for all the information, lodging, pricing. Don't miss out. And if you aren't a member yet, consider joining and have the access to videos and other info in case you aren't able to make trips later in the year. You can watch it all there. nbbqa.org. That's nbbqa.org. And we are back with Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase that's cookinpellets.com. I have given dates to Chris Becker to come on this show to talk about a number of things that are related to the pellet industry, but we will wait and see when he has time to join the show. My first guest tonight, of course, has created one of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling websites on the face of the earth, a best-selling author, a barbecue hall of famer, a barbecue central show guest hall of famer, and we race to the hotline and welcome back our friend Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Of course, Meathead, yes or no, in your expert sports opinion, because you are Paper Gator, will the QB <laughs> for Georgia, Stetson Bennett Jr. the third, be drafted in the NFL or will he be undrafted? Oh, he'll be drafted. It'll be down lower, but... Uh... Um, he'll be somebody's very talented backup, and uh, who knows? He might. I mean, the guy has an arm, and he throws pinpoint passes, um, and he's a winner. Rounds twenty-one. Rounds one through four. Three or something. Rounds one through four, mm-hmm. or later than that. Maybe fourth. Maybe fourth. All right, we'll go with that. I'm going undrafted hey, I, myself. I got a, talk, a couple of things I want to get on. All right. Number one, <laughs> Mayo. Yes. Oh, we're going to already have a question about Mayo. 2016, 2016, it's in that book. Uh, Not according to social media last year, Meathead. I started it. And as long as I keep saying it, as long as I keep saying it, it's truth. It doesn't. In fact, I I was interviewed by the LA Times on it in 2015. Meathead, I have an alternative set of truths that happened in 2022, (laughs) and we'll leave it at that. What's your other point? Um, The other one is, is. Everybody out there who thinks they know something about the internet is wrong. Mm. As of, uh, there is something earth-shaking that is about to happen to the internet 
that will upset millions, billions of business models. Millions and billions of business models. Oh, are What's we... happening is, oh, is in March. Yes. In March, um, Microsoft Bing is going to start using AI in their search results, and Google will not be far behind. All right. That means if you go to Google and you ask it, how do I use Koji on a steak? Yes. It will not necessarily point you to a website that gives you the answer. Google will give you the answer. Google will use their AI to scrape the internet and it will lift the info. And just like those little snippets that they're giving at the top of the page now, you will get the Google will be stealing your business mm -hmm. and you had better find a, a better way to survive if you depend on Google traffic. So is this going to be some other form? I have in my agenda to talk about chat GPT. Is this a form of that then? Because that's artificial intelligence mm -hmm, yeah. as well. GPT and everybody's talking an about that. Yeah, chat GPT is one of the best examples out there. And as you and I both know, we've played with it. It's cool. It's it, it, it does some good stuff, but it's not it's not there yet. But it will be, and it will be soon. Oh, yeah. And Google has its own version. So I don't know what Bing is up to, but eventually, um, if you go to Google and ask it a question, it'll give you the answer. Meathead, I have a question coming from Dennis in Colorado. It's probably a month and a half old at this point, but he says, Hey, Greg, I sent you a video of a chef that is comparing oil versus mayo used on asparagus. I thought this was kind of interesting. Thought maybe you could ask Meathead on an upcoming segment to elaborate more on its use. Here's, here's what I'm seeing, Meathead. Uh, you, you claim through reference and actual fact that you started talking about mayo. I claim I started it last year, so we're at odds. Nevertheless, what we can both agree on is that somehow or another, Meathead, uh, Meathead, Mayo, Mayohead is becoming all of a sudden a much bigger thing to use on the outsides of things. Now you put it on the inside of a hamburger, use it in a recipe, this and that, and the other thing. But for whatever reason now, it does seem to be availing itself much more readily on social media. Here's Dennis asking about rubbing it on some asparagus before you put it on a grill or at least some chef doing some type of comparison. So it, this is just an oil that can perhaps hold rub better. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, for, for many, many years, barbecue enthusiasts have been putting mustard on yep. meats yep. to help hold down um, their rubs. If you look at mustard, that is the um, grocery store version in a jar, it's mostly water or vinegar or both with a little bit of mustard powder in it um, to see how weak it is. All you got to do is taste Chinese mustard, which is a lot stronger. And if you make you want to make your own, you go get Coleman's powder mustard and mix it with a lot of must, uh, uh, water. And boy, that'll blow your head off. But there's not a lot of flavor in the mustard. It's just to glue down the the um, uh, the spices and herbs. Now, um, you, some people moved to ketchup, to oil, to mayonnaise. The, the bottom line is, is they don't impart much flavor. They're in fact, I have for many years been just using water. I'll get a slab of ribs. I'll go over the sink. I'll get my hands a little wet. I'll pat the ribs with my wet hands. 
and I'll just sprinkle the rub on. I just want to hold the rub on there. I, the oil is not going to conduct more energy. Most of it drips off. Same thing for the mayo. Mayo does have egg and some acid in there, vinegar or um, lemon juice or something, but they're not, they're not substantial flavor. Just like when you spritz, spritz with apple juice. The, the apple flavor is so dilute, it's not going to impact the flavor. You want to get a lot of flavor on a piece of meat, use spices, herbs, sauce. That'll put a lot of flavor on it. Um, these fluids, liquids, they're not much flavor. I don't know what the result of that test was uh, with asparagus. I'd be interested in seeing it. I doubt it makes much difference. One of the neat things about mayo is it's pretty good at helping fish release from grill grates. Fish, as you know, is the bane of anybody who grills. It just really sticks. And finding a way to get it to let loose is really tricky. Um, and mayo is uh, pretty good at it. I've told this story before on the show, but the show has gone on for years and years and almost decades at this point. There's a lot of new people on the instant chat here in YouTube. The other thing that I know about mayo is what somebody told me from a very successful fast food chain called Arby's. I had many, many years ago, right when that uh, their brisket smokehouse sandwich was coming out for the very first time. It might have been 2014 or maybe even before yeah. that. I had the guy on that came up with the recipe, and I took him to task. I said, hey, the one thing that sticks out to me, aside from cheese, which is weird on a brisket sandwich, but it's fast food, so cheese evidently has to go on everything. It's on fish sandwiches, you name it. I said, I don't understand the mayo. And he said, well, did you taste the mayo? I said, no, but I saw it on there. And he said, right. And here's why. Because the mayo will now accept the flavor of the brisket. And when you're eating that brisket sandwich, the mayo is coating the top of your mouth and all sides of your mouth. And it's giving you a much more briskety feel and taste. And we don't have to use as much meat on the sandwich in order to satisfy that a brisket flavor that you might be looking for. So it was almost done as, I don't want to say cost-cutting measure, but certainly allowing you to continue to have a beef brisket-flavored sandwich, but doing it with less meat because the mayo is helping intensify the brisket flavor that's already yeah, on there. How about that? The mayo on before, before cooking? As he's making the sandwich, you take one, the bottom... Uh, part oh, of the bun, oh, oh, slather it it's... with mayo, and then build the sandwich okay. up from there. Yeah. So that was well, mayo new to me. Yeah, I mean, we all love to put mayo on egg salad, tuna salad. Uh, you know, it, it it does it does help flavor. I, you know, um, Arby's has been using their horsey sauce for years, which I think is mayo based. Yes. Tonight's subject, meathead, is yeah. something. Again, that I had said in the open was has been well on my radar for years. It's called Koji. There you have the book right there, Koji Alchemy. Jeremy Umansky, co-writer. Who's the other guy on there? I forget his name. Um, Rick She. Rick She. S H I H. Yeah. It's a, it's a very nice book. It is very advanced and technical. Oh yeah. Um, I'm writing a. I, I as you know, <laughs> I'm writing a book. My deadline is rapidly approaching. And I have a little section in the book on using Koji, and I've been fiddling with it, and it's very interesting. And I think I have managed, as I like to do, to distill it down to some of the basics. 
Um, Where did you find out about Koji? I don't recall specifically, but um, has it been in the last couple of years? Would you say? As a, pardon? Was it in the last couple of years, or have you known about it much longer? Um, I I think when I went to Japan, I learned a little bit about it when I saw them making miso. Miso is made with um, koji. Um, uh, so so is soy sauce. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a um, a fungus, uh, Aspergillus. Arise, and um, uh, you know people go, "Ooh, a fungus on my steak!" But let's not forget that uh, mushrooms are a fungus, and mm-hmm. uh, so and cheese is made mostly. Many cheeses are made with funguses, fungi. Um, yeast is a fungus, and uh, without yeast, there's no wine or beer. So it's nothing to be grossed out by. What um, what people have been doing is they've been putting a form of koji, and I'll talk about the different forms in a minute on beef on steaks and um you leave it on for a week or so and it it the 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 fungus alters it's loaded with enzymes it's loaded with enzymes and those enzymes really do a job on proteins and starches and it alters the flavor of the surface of the meat and a little bit down below and people say it resembles aged beef dry aged beef yeah and uh, that's how it got, how it caught on. And I think resembles is the is, is the uh, operative word. It's not exactly the same, but it's interesting. It gives it a an interesting character, uh, fun, uh, a flavor that you wouldn't necessarily identify as beef right away. Mm. Um, the the raw form I've got it right here is a package here. It's like a rice cake. Mm. Um, it's it's dry and hard inside. And these are white rice that have been inoculated with the fungus and then dried out. And you can buy this on Amazon. Um, you just uh, search Koji? It's all, uh, you got to search for Koji, and it's all in Japanese. Um, I, uh, is, it get, is it shipped from Japan? Pardon? Is it shipped from yeah, Japan? Oh yeah, it's oh. from Japan. All right. No, it's shipped from um, um Amazon's warehouse, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of Japanese and Asians uh, in this country that work with Koji, and uh, people do make their own miso. I'm just pulling up. I think I can get you the brand name that I use. I can probably just go down to uh, Jeremy's restaurant, and he can give me a pound of Koji. He's probably got yeah, like a truckle. Yeah, uh, not all your listeners. Um, uh, it's Miyako Koji. Miyako Koji. Um, uh, and it's Koji, or called Koji Rice. And um, what you do with it is you put it in a jar with warm water and um, uh, leave it sit at room temperature for a week. And uh, you get, I don't know how well you can see this. Oh, sure. We can see it. Um, but it's, it's, it's got the rice and the koji in there. Looks gross. And um, this is the stuff you slather. Now, some people just take the rice and crumble it up and put it on the beef. When you when you inoculate it with water like this, uh, you can keep it in the fridge for weeks. Um, it becomes something called shio koji. Shio koji is different than koji rice. It's koji that has been blossomed with water and uh, allowed to grow. And you can actually buy shio koji. Here's a bottle of it. This too is available on Amazon, right. and it's labeled shio koji. It's more expensive to buy it like this, 
but it's all ready to go. Um, this stuff, you just pour it over your steak. And this is cool. Um, for my wife's birthday, we went to a restaurant that is experimenting. You know, it's one of these experimental restaurants where, they, and they were putting shio koji on butter. Really? And they serve some beautiful bread with koji um, inoculated butter. And it's effing awesome. Um, it's just, it, it becomes kind of cheese like. It's like butter flavor times two. And it's really rich, almost a little Parmesan flavor. I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I've made it using this stuff and my homemade stuff. And it's really cool. Um, and you can use it on chicken, turkey, steaks. It alters, because of the enzymes, it alters the flavor profile. And usually uh, the results are pretty good. Does it give you a chart of how long you want to keep that stuff on steak in order to replicate, let's say, a 45 or a 90-day dry-aged steak you know, taste? Um, there, there are no – I have not seen anything definitive. Um, the general rule of thumb that people who've been playing with steak um, is in the 7- to 10-day range. Hmm. But I think you can push it further or less. You know, it's like sous vide. Um, there's rules of thumb um, when you're going to sous vide, say, beef ribs. Um, 145 or 155, well, it's a personal preference, uh, how the texture suits you. Um, 24 hours or 48 hours, again, it's a preference. You, you start and you experiment and you find out what suits your taste. When you do the butter... You had mentioned all sorts of different flavors that you like, but texture-wise, is it just like butter, or does it also just cheese like up? No, just mm. like butter. Mm. Um, and it takes about a week, and it's just awesome. Um, if you want to play with it, go to Amazon and just buy the Shio Koji. How much? It's easier than buying think? the How much Koji rice. I don't recall. Is it significantly more expensive in your right hand, though, than in your left hand? It, well, yeah, I think so. I think buying the jar is more expensive than the, the rice cake. Sure. This is Koji rice. This is Shio Koji. Um, I don't recall. You can look them up, but I, I do believe Shio Koji is significantly more than buying the rice. It only takes a week or 10 days to turn the rice into Shio Koji, but um, I was in a hurry to try it. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I tell you, I'm, I just absolutely love what it does to butter. And I'm going to start playing with other things with it, like, uh, you know, burger meat and stuff. Going totally off topic. I had Sam the Cooking Guy on last week, and at some point in our discussion, he just tossed out the fact. So last year, he got this real big dry aging unit, and they've been dry aging, you know, big sides of beef uh, right along here. But then... All of a sudden, he drops this little tidbit on me and says, yeah, we uh, for one of our upcoming videos, we did dry-aged chicken. So they had a couple whole chickens, stuck them in the dry-ager for two weeks. I think it was 14 days uh, to the exact, and said they were some of the most delicious chickens to uh, both him and uh, the production guys that are shooting and tasting along with the videos. He said it was great. You ever... Heard anything about dry aged chickens? They looked absolutely I have, terrible. I have not. I've, I've played with dry aging, but not chicken. Hmm. Um, as you probably know, Jim Compart of Compart Pork dry ages some of his pork, and I've actually mm. written him to talk to him about the process. 
Um, but there's um, uh, uh, in Sherman Oaks, California. Home of porno. Uh, there's a place called The Joint. Sherman Oaks, California. It's just north of L.A. Um, there's a place called The Joint. And he has these giant steak aging lockers. And he's aging fish. Hmm. And uh, I've written a little bit about that in the book, too. Um, uh, people who taste that fish do backflips. Um, uh, so, um, it, 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 you know, um, people are getting a little wild out there. Well, Koji is the next thing that's going to absolutely rage. You are certainly confirming that. You're going to continue to play along with that. And for folks that are just tuning in tonight for the first time and aren't overly familiar with Meathead, you just need to go to AmazingRibs.com and see what this guy's all about. All right, one last thing well, before we go. Some of this stuff is not on the website yet. It's in the book, which will be out in a year. But I'm just thinking, hey, let's try Koji on Manianis. Why not? <laughs> Start a new trend. Koji man, Koji mayonnaise binder brisket. It'll be the next I'll huge tr trend. I'll try it. I'll try it, and two years later, you'll claim you invented it. That's right. Why not? It worked this time. <laughs> it worked last time. It'll work this time around, no doubt. And again, it's amazingribs.com. We will see you in February, Meathead. Yes. And uh, by the way, just a quick apology for missing last month. Oh, I had a little medical know. issue that I was unable to uh, attend, and uh, I, uh, I I regret missing it. We are happy to see you that you are back and better than ever, no doubt. Meathead, thank you. That's Meathead right there from amazingribs.com. So stop over there if you don't visit regularly and become that much more knowledgeable of a live fire person. Robert Moss is ready to go, and I will mention to you that Pits and Spits has the best-looking, best-cooking smokers and grills currently available on the market. Pits and Spits offers a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, hybrid cookers, fire pits, and much more. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops that's focused on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is that important? We're able to put an emphasis on quality and design, locally sourced material, and unmatched attention to detail. From the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel, they bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that it's going to get passed down from generation to generation. Whether you're into competition barbecue or you want to take that backyard grilling and barbecue game to the next level, there is a product for you. Check them out at Pits and Spits. That's P-I-T-T-S-A-N-D-S-P-I-T-T-S. Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. That's Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And then as you accumulate up to $500 or more at checkout, use promo code BBQ Central for a free spice pack. That's right. BBQ Central at checkout for a free spice pack. When you get 500 bucks or more in the cart, Pitsandspits.com. Dot com slash bbq central that's pittsandspits.com slash bbq central we are back with robert moss right after this stick around we'll be right back howard stern jim rome dan patrick and greg rampey the mountain rushmore of talk show entertainment 
Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Meathead for joining us last segment. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home. You're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. My next guest is the contributing barbecue editor for Southern Living Magazine, an accomplished author. He's also a restaurant critic where he's at locally. We race to the hotline and welcome back, Robert Moss. Robert, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Greg? Uh, absolutely fabulous. Happy New Year to you. And as 2022 ends, 2023 begins, there already seem to be no shortage of trends, either those being predicted that will happen at some point over the course of this year or through social media. It seemed right as the hour of 2023 hit, there was uh, a, a brand new social media trend that was happening all over the place that will get to here in just a second but let's first concentrate on what meathead and i seem to be butting heads with which was my mayo binder trend at the end of last year at this stage seeing the meteoric rise on such platforms as tiktok and instagram and my very public fight with somebody named dick paste who also (laughs) claimed credit for it but i beat him down maliciously are we validated yet that I have created the mayo bindered trend of 2022? Well, I while you were talking to me, Dad, I, I went to my my shelf and pulled the book off. Don't go so, to the yeah, reference was, material. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just want to gesture to. He was gesturing to the reference material. I just yeah. want to point out that um, page 107, yes. the fish problem. Um, Meathead has one line on mayo, and it's one of the many op, uh, options that you could use to fix notoriously sticky fish, as he hmm. later referenced. And it says, coat the fish with mayo, which is about one-third oil one after seasoning it. So, yeah, he talked about putting mayo on barbecue in the book, but can that really lead to a, a major TikTok trend? No way. I mean, I was finding? As much as so I like meathead, and I like going to the book. You know, I, I, I can't really say that that book from 2015 sort of sat there in the culture and it suddenly exploded in 2022. There must have been something else that sparked it. No doubt about it. Uh, Robert Moss joining us here on the show. RobertFMoss.com is his website. The trend that hit as the year turned was this butter candle. Something that A, you saw, and is it something that you would even consider attempting? Or having multiple around Uh, the house in case the power went out? Well, I mean, I saw it in the sense that you had mentioned it, and I think on your last show, and I I Googled it and found a couple of TikTok videos. Uh, I'm not sitting there scrolling TikTok day in and day out. So it wasn't something that was high on my radar screen. Um, it seems like you, if you a, say butter candle in February, I bet no one will know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Do you remember butter boards? Are, are those sure. even a thing? They were really um, big you know, last year, of course. Butter. Yeah, I, I don't know if anybody's even doing that anymore. I think um, TikTok trends are interesting. I was actually talking to Jess Pryles, um, a, a friend of the of the show um, about sort of the nature of the, of the internet and TikTok, And I think she had a good, she sort of put it in a good way. You know, someone who makes a living, you know, very, very dependent upon the internet. You sort of have two, two channels. You've got 
social media that people are turning to for instruction. You know, they're watching videos, learning how to do things. And then you have stuff that people are just scrolling through and they look at it as fun and, and they keep going. I would have to put the butter candle in, uh, in that, that category. Um, not tempted to try it myself, but if you have, if you want to do it, yeah, more power to you. These are my trend picks for 2023. <laughs> Electric grills coming to the market in a very big way, legitimately from legitimate manufacturers. Uh, one or two hit towards, well, one was out pretty early last year, but I don't really think it caught a lot of steam until we're getting ready to turn the year. That was Charbroil's Edge. I believe Weber mm -hmm. has one that is either being currently locked down with patents and other forms and filings uh, and, and will be brought to market at some point. But there are, there are other big manufacturers out there who are going to be unleashing full-size electric grills into the market. So I think that's something that's going to be hitting in 2023 that people are going to at least seriously consider adding to the arsenal. I think we're past the time where people are going to get rid of one cooker in lieu of another. They're just starting to add or accumulate. Uh, back in the day when I started doing just barbecue forums we used to call it mcs yeah. or multiple cooker syndrome and this is <laughs> kind of where we're progressing now so somebody might think about adding an electric cooker or if you're in an apartment or something that doesn't require doesn't allow an open flame this would certainly be a option for you the other thing that i think and this is more of the the butter candle trend is i think we're going to start seeing a lot more smoked meatloaf hitting the social media channels this might seem novel However, this was really big when I first got into barbecue back in 2003. People were like, how oh, have you ever smoked a meatloaf? And here's recipes. You put it on parchment paper, this, that, and the other thing. And it kind of, it didn't, didn't go away necessarily, but <laughs> I'm starting to see a, a rise in interest in smoked meatloaf all of a sudden through some of the social media platforms. So what are you looking to see or what are you potentially seeing as trends in 2023? Hmm. I think I think both of yours are interesting. Um, so let me react to those first. Sure. On the electric grill, what's driving that? Do you think it's more the marketing that's driving it, or more that it's filling a need that people have to? Is it simpler than a pellet, cheaper than a pellet grill, but doesn't require all the mess of of wood? Well, or I, it, I don't think know? I can tell you that, especially with some of the manufacturers of pellet cookers out there, you can get. I wouldn't say a decent pellet cooker, but you can get a pellet cooker for 500 bucks, 600 bucks. And depending on the manufacturer, it could have a fairly decent capacity on it. The Charbroil Edge full-size electric grill is, I think, 650 or $700. So yeah. it's not necessarily inexpensive. It's not as much as a mid-size Weber gas grill at this point, a Genesis, which is going to be a thousand bucks or eleven hundred bucks with some of the upgrades that they've made to the latest version of the Genesis cooker. But this isn't a cheap introduction. I don't know where the the impetus is here. I've never heard people clamoring for a full size electric cooker, but it has to have come from somewhere. Yeah. I, yeah, the, I doubt they just reduced it for, no, for random reasons. I'm a little skeptical on that one just because I don't see the niche that it fills. Like, it seems like there's already stuff out there that fills that niche, whether you want high end or you want easy, you know, set it and forget it or whatever. But we'll see. You may be right on that one. I do I do agree with you on the meatloaf primarily because I've seen to seeing that a lot more these days. I see it on restaurant menus. I see a lot of people doing it in specials. I see it on, on social media. So definitely there's more interest in meatloaf. And I think that's actually tied into... Um, 
sort of my my big trend for 2023 and it may be sort of like the 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 uh, the mayo binder this may be me trying to make it happen you know because i'd mm -hmm. like to but i do think my big prediction is that 2023 is a year that brisket jumps the shark uh in, in barbecue and again being a carolinian uh, you know proponent of whole hog that this could be just me you know talking my book if you will but um yeah it does just feel it, it it building that that there's so many restaurants now opening from seattle to jacksonville to minnesota you know that everyone's serving brisket i'm starting to feel like the pit masters are getting tired of it mm -hmm. um the, the ones even in texas you know people are, are saying well everyone does brisket everybody does good brisket you know how can you stand out from the crowd i think it, i think meatloaf is sort of in that that vein in the sense that people are looking for something new and different that you know if you can't just show pictures of brisket on Instagram anymore. Everybody has a picture of a brisket. It's almost like table stakes. It's like having a, a napkin or something. So I, I do think that we'll, we'll, we'll see some interesting new things. Um, I'm particularly bullish on, you know, on, on the, not just pork in, in general, which I, I think is great, but um, I'm, I'm particularly bullish on back rib, beef back ribs, you know, the big prime, uh, you know, beef, you know, plate ribs had their, had their moment uh a, a while back and it's actually um sort of started off as is pitmasters um uh you know trying to sort of se separate themselves from from brisket like what well, can we do that's something even bigger than brisket you know a bigger uh exploration i had dinner the other night at uh rancho lewis here in charleston which is john lewis's new tex-mex restaurant john lewis has lewis barbecue yep. was formerly at la barbecue in austin and uh cooked with uh, aaron franklin back in the trailer days um, so a Texas brisket master, but his second restaurant has been a, a Tex-Mex re Tex restaurant that sort of pays homage. He, he grew up in El Paso, so it's sort of the food he grew up with. But he's doing these mesquite smoked uh, back ribs. You can get a whole rack of them. It takes about three people to take it down. But boy, are they delicious. They're tender. They're smoky. It's so much more interesting than brisket. Um, as much as I like the prime, the, the prime plate beef rib, that tends to be, well, super expensive to begin with. But also that big first bite, you don't want to keep eating it. So I, I think, you know, things like back ribs, smoked meatloaf is another good one. I see lots of people doing things like beef cheeks these days. Um, you're trying to do anything, anything new. So that's my my big 23, 2023 prediction and also uh, perhaps trying to make it happen, which is uh, I enough of the brisket. What else can we put on a pit that, that's, that's good to eat? Robert Moss joining us here on the show. So you are a expert southerner at least to me from somebody that is rarely in the south let's have a little bit of a language lesson here i was doing some reading and uh, studying up here and came across the word cookout and then further along in the article the word barbecue gets thrown out now in the very early stages of this show i was very opinionated on the words barbecue and grilling meathead and i's very first blow up argument on the show was having diverging opinions on those particular words. And I said, no, there are two different cooking methods. This is what grilling means. This is what barbecue means. I've since chilled out because I've just gotten older and I probably don't care to have the same passion and zest to fight it. And I'm just happy if anybody's into one side or the other. But when you refer to the words cookout and barbecue, are these synonymous terms or are they independent? Well, I think it depends somewhat where you are, um, but as the, you know, and actually I used to <laughs> write a whole column on Southern icons for serious eats where I said the whole premise is I'm explaining Southern food to Yankees, you know, and so I'm explaining, explaining what it means. If you're in the South um, and it, you know, 
words don't have a inherent meaning of their own. It means what people hear and they think when, when you say it, if you, and I already say, okay, if you, if you're in the South and you say, we're having a cookout, come over and bring something, um, in the South, you're going to think, okay, they're making probably hot dogs, hamburgers, maybe getting crazy and putting some, some chicken, but it's going to be on a grill. It's going to be have a hot heat. And, you know, you're, you're grilling on a kettle or something like that. <laughs> if you say we're having a barbecue, no one's going to think you're in, in uh, South Carolina, at least that, you, that you're going to go eat hamburgers and hot dogs. You're going to probably have something that's been cooking all night. You probably gonna have a bunch of, you know, sweaty, smelly men who've been up, you know, drinking bourbon all, all, all night long, uh, who are going to roll out a you know, pork shoulder or pigs or ribs or something like that. So in, in the South, at least, if you talk about an event, a cookout is one thing, a barbecue is another, and you would never say, come on over this weekend. We're having a cookout. We're doing a whole hog. That just doesn't, doesn't ring true. Yeah. Hmm. Now, if you're in New Jersey, New York, and you say, we're having a barbecue, come on over, then, you know, probably they would be very, the, the guests would be very surprised if they showed up and you had a giant hog cooker out back with a whole hog. On it. They would expect a grill with some weenies on it and maybe mushrooms and things like that. So when they're saying barbecue in the North, do you think they're referring to the vessel that they're cooking on versus the food that they're going to be presenting? Uh, they are referring to a couple different things. They, they're referring to a barbecue. A, you know, a barbecue is an event. That's when you're you're cooking out. And at the barbecue, there might be a barbecue, which would be the grill on which you're putting putting things. Um, me, I, me and I have actually had some of that that argument going back and forth. Um, th the interesting thing is that those those if you go back just a century in, in history, those two actually uh, the the cookout or the barbecue they sort of evolved out of the same thing. What we call the backyard barbecue today uh, really came about in the 1920s, um, inspired, it was a bunch of, of New York magazines like Home and Garden and, 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 and magazines like that, started running these features saying a barbecue is a great event to have. And they actually referenced these large outdoor barbecues they'd have in California out West. Mm. And they said, you can actually create a similar version in your backyard you can dig a little pit in, in, in your background, in your backyard. And instead of cooking a whole pig, like they might do at a Southern barbecue or a California barbecue, you can put some, you know, some smaller cuts on it that gradually, you know, got built up into brazier grills and then kettle grills and everything else. So the barbecues actually split. Uh, and originally in 1920s, a barbecue, there was no such thing as a, as grilling in the backyard. A barbecue was cooked in a hole in the ground, but they, they diverged. And, uh, we've been fighting about it ever since. Robert, we didn't visit in December, but during our time in November, you were just weeks away from the second edition of the Holy Smokes Low Country Barbecue Festival. So we take a last couple minutes here of the segment, recap that event, and uh, let me know what you thought of it and the other folks that were in charge of getting it organized and helping it come off. Yeah, I think the event was um, even a bigger, we expected it to be successful and it was even a big, bigger success than, than we anticipated. Um, we did sell out, which was a, a big deal. We actually sold out the morning of the event, right before we, we opened the gates. Um, and you know, which is great because, you know, the means we're going to be able to, to uh, really create a big do or give another big donation this year to Hawks for the Calls as well as to Ronald McDonald House. Um, so that was a big success. We were in a new venue this year. We were at Riverfront Park in North Charleston, which is a beautiful park. It used to be the, the Navy base in Charleston. It's been since transformed. It's still in, in progress being transformed into a big 
park and development area, but it's overlooking the Cooper River. And unlike the, the first year, we had a lot more room this year. So everything was spread out a lot more. We had a little problem with lines the first year. This year, the lines were you know very manageable. The Texas Village, as Texas is wont to do, had a little bit of a line, but the, but we timed it. I don't think anybody waited more than 10 minutes, even at, in Texas, which is a miracle. You can't do that yeah. in, in, in Texas. Most everywhere else, people moved in very quickly. It was very spread out. We had a lot of room for, for run, your kids to run around and all, and all that kind of stuff. So a big success. We did have a fourth village we added this year. We added a coastal village. So we had four different sort of styles of, of barbecue. So a little bit different variety and everything else. So all told, I think it was a, it was a great event. Um, the weather was great. That's the one thing you can't control. No rain, 60 degree day, beautiful, beautiful um, weather. So really went about as well as we could have, could have, uh, have asked for. Are we thinking about the third edition at this point? Uh, absolutely. We are already booked for November huh. of well, this year now, 2023. Yep. Um, so we'll be doing it again. We'll be back at Riverfront Park. It was such a great venue. We'll, we'll do it again. Uh, we're actually meeting next week to sort of do our official debrief from uh, from this year and sort of talk about format changes and things like that. So we don't know what we might do differently. Uh, we'll, we'll build on success and put, we try to do something new new every year and we encourage anybody. It's a great, November is one of the best months to come to Charleston. So yeah, if you want to sort of pencil that in your calendar. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing it again and, and we'll be, you know, next time I'm on, I, I can probably give you more specifics about dates and you know how, how to find this and everything else. Robert Moss is joining us here. You can see him the second Tuesday of every month, 35 past the first hour. Go to robertfmoss.com for more information. Robert, always appreciate the time and we'll see you in February. All right. Thanks so much, Greg. See you, you then. There he is. Robert Moss right there. Again, the website, robertfmoss.com. Check out what he's up to. And as he said, no specific dates yet as they do the postmortem on the second annual Low Country Boil, but, or Low Country Barbecue. But Charleston's great to visit in November. We will look to wrap the first hour in just a second, let's talk about Big Pop Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces, the American-made grills and smokers. They have something for every type of barbecue cook. Popular flavors of their rubs, Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak Rub, all proven winners, 13 perfectly balanced flavors to transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce, so if you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditionally a powerful flavor reminds us of why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Great all by itself, or if you're looking for a base sauce that you can further trick out and make your own, it's great for that too. Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they're offering a fine selection of cookers. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not sure of what grill you need, call them. Ask questions. They'll make sure you're headed in the right direction. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727 or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. Big Papa Smokers, proud sponsor of this show. 
And we will be back to wrap it up here in the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we thank Robert Moss for joining us last segment. Once again, his website, robertfmoss.com. I would tell you to go sign up for the Q sheet, but apparently that's not something that's happening regularly, so don't sign up for that. Meathead is also now emailing me after he just pulled the segment about 30 minutes ago or so, making sure that he is telling me that he's the one that started all the Mayo stuff. Yes, Meathead, yes. Of course. That's right. Get Meathead's book. It was very popular. And now he's working on a second book that will be out next year, according to him. Remember, listen so we can all mark that down and then make sure in a year from now, make sure that book is out. All right, we are pointing to the second hour. Looking through instant chat here. Let's see. A lot of people in for Joe Martinez, so he's got an audience building. That's great. Here's a message from Tiger Tiger McCool Barbecue Company and Fire Cups at Instagram. Fire Cups at Instagram. John Miller, RIP. Leprechaun TV. Joe needs to come in like stone cold. Absolutely. Agree with that. Joe Martinez will be joining us in the second hour talking about that food trailer. All right, stand by. We'll come back for the second hour, and we'll do a lot more hijinks and shenanigans. Check around. We'll be right back.